the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Some versions of your Bibles will have, um, instead of the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, they'll have the beginning of the gospel about Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Okay, same thing, just slightly different words. All right? Mark wants to write something about Jesus in this book that we've got here. Uh, he, he wants to write, and he wants to write it early, and he wants you to know what he knows. Um, Mark is uh, the first gospel that was written. Most commentators would agree that it was written uh, within 15 years of Jesus dying, which means that there are lots of people around who can read this, and they can say, I was there, I saw that, I know what he's talking about. Yeah, so Mark has to be accurate, because at the same time, there's lots of people there who will be able to say, hang on, I was there. It didn't happen like that. It happened slightly differently. Okay, so Mark is there. There are lots of people around. Mark knows what he's writing about. Um, he's got lots of information from Peter. Mark has spent loads of time with Peter. Mark knows Jesus. He's met Jesus because Mark has a mother whose name is Mary. Mary lives in Jerusalem, and she's got this big house with an upper room where Jesus and his disciples met. And we read at the end of Mark that when Jesus goes up to the garden on his, his last night before he's arrested, he goes up to the garden, and we read in Mark that there is a, a young lad there up on the mountain with him, and, and he's just wrapped in a, in a linen cloth. And the soldiers see him and grab the linen cloth, and, and the boy runs away. It's Mark who writes his gospel. He was there. He saw these things happen. Mark is biased, okay? He, he is a biased historian. He wants you to know that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he's writing for. He wants you to know that Jesus is the Son of God, and he wants you to know that you can have life in his name. Okay, so he's writing from that point of view. The beginning of the gospel, he writes, Mark has good news to tell. It is the best sort of good news you can imagine. It is the sort of good news that has you jumping up and down with joy. It, it is the sort of good news that you get when you have just won a war. Now, in these days, when these people fought, they, you didn't have telephones or telegrams or anything else like that. You had a runner, a man, who would run from the battlefield back to the nearest city. And he would run back to the nearest city, and there would be people on the walls, and they'd be looking out for him, and they'd be able to see him coming from miles away. And they'd be waiting, they'd be waiting to hear what, what news he brought. And if the news was good, then the man would be rewarded and the, the city would be rejoicing because they have just won the war and they know that they are safe from the enemy. We've looked at um, Christianity Explored in the church that I go to. Uh, and Christianity Explored, I don't, don't know whether you've seen it, it comes with um, uh, little videos for each session by a man called Rico Tice. And he says on this, on this first one, he says, if this good news does not excite you, then you have not understood it. Okay, this is how good this good news is. If this good news does not excite you about Jesus, then you haven't understood it. Mark introduces Jesus. Now, there are lots of people in Israel at this time called Jesus. Okay, this is a popular name. It's a derivative of Joshua. And if you went down any high street in Israel during the time of Jesus and shouted out the name of Jesus, you'd have four or five boys turning up to see what you wanted with them, okay? It, it is a popular name. 
to distinguish this Jesus from the other Jesuses of the time, people called him Jesus of Nazareth. So that, so that you knew who you were talking about. Okay, so this man has a name. Mark refers to him by name, and then he gives him the title. On the board, we've got Messiah. In my Bible, we've got Christ. Same thing, Messiah is a Hebrew word. Christ is, is the, the Greek translation of that. It means the anointed one, the chosen one, the one chosen by God. Now, chosen to do what? Well, chosen by God to be a sacrifice for the sin of mankind. Chosen by God to die on a cross as God's lamb so that we, me and you, we can be free from our sin. We can be forgiven from it. Mark goes further. The person he speaks of is named Jesus. He has a title, the Christ or the Messiah. But there is also something else that Mark wants you to know about Jesus. Right at the beginning of his book, Mark wants you to know that this Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, he wants you to know that. He doesn't want, he, he doesn't want you to be confused about who Jesus is. He wants it there right at the beginning to show you that Jesus is different. Okay, Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just a man. He is the Son of God. Now, to be the Son of God is different to being a Son of God, isn't it? We, this morning, if we are Christians, we are children of God. If we are Christians this morning. There was a man uh, um, a long time ago, an old Cornish preacher by the name of Billy Bray. And Billy Bray would go around houses and he'd knock on the doors and tell people about Jesus. Apparently, he wasn't dressed too well. Okay, so people would see him coming, and if it was a posh house, the servants would be there at the front, and they'd lean out of a window, and they'd shout to him, and they'd say, go around the back, go to the tradesman's entrance. And Billy would shout back, I'm the son of a king. I'm not going around the back. I'll come to the front door. And he did. He'd go to the front door, and he'd knock the front door to tell people about Jesus. If you were a Christian this morning, you were like Billy. You're the king's son or the king's daughter. Paul tells us, Romans 8, 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, children of God. Now, we are a son or a daughter of God. Jesus was the son of God. We read, in Luke, Luke 1, verses 26 to 35. Uh, I'm sure you'll read this a little bit more in the coming month or two. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Like, like that stone that we saw, his kingdom will destroy all other kingdoms and his kingdom will grow and it will fill the earth 
and there will be no room left in the earth. It will be filled with God's kingdom. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, to be the son of someone in Jewish terms meant that you shared their characteristics. It meant that you were just like them. We've got a saying, a chip off the old block, haven't we? Yeah, you talk about somebody and you say, no, nah, he's a chip off the old block. He's just like his dad. Or she's a chip off the old block. She's just like her mum. To be the son of somebody was to share their characteristics. It was to be just like them. You become just like them because you spend time with them, don't you? And you pick up their characteristics. Who could be like God apart from God? Nobody could, could they? And Jesus, because he was with God, is just like God. Jesus is just like God because Jesus is God. Are we sure of this? Mark 1, verses 9 to 11, the little bit that we read later on. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And he came up out of the water. Immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Where did this voice come from? It came from heaven. Who is in heaven who can speak? Only God, isn't it? Only God is there. Only God can speak. And God declares that Jesus is his son and that he is pleased with him. Now, Mark wants you to see that this message that he has uh, and the person of Jesus are closely linked. Okay? You cannot have one without the other. So the message about Jesus is closely related to who Jesus is. This good news that he has to share, this gospel that he needs to write for us to read, is linked to who Jesus is. For Mark, and for all of us, it is vitally important that we understand who Jesus is. The Jehovah Witnesses have got a book out, The Greatest Man Who Ever Lived. Now, I am sure that Jesus was the greatest man who ever lived, but Jesus is more than just the greatest man who ever lived. And if you stop at Jesus being a man, then you miss who Jesus is, and the gospel will not make sense to you. Some people say that Jesus is a freedom fighter. If that's what you think of Jesus, then you haven't understood the good news that Mark is trying to tell us. You haven't understood who Jesus is. Some people will tell you that he was a, a great teacher, he was, wasn't he? He was a fantastic teacher. But if you leave it at that, then you haven't understood who Jesus is. I believe Jeremy Corbyn's idea of Jesus is that he is a great socialist. I, I do not understand where he got that from. But again, if you leave it at that, you have missed who Jesus is. If these are your views of Jesus, then... The gospel will make no sense to you. It'll be rubbish. If, on the other hand, Jesus is God, then the gospel makes perfect sense because only God can do the things that Jesus does. 
in this book, and not only in Mark's version of the events, but in Matthew's and in Luke's and in John's. Only God can do those things. Only God can forgive sin. Only God can walk on water. Only God can make people well with just a word or with just a touch. Only God can do these things. Only God can forgive sin by taking the punishment for it on the cross in three short hours. Imagine it. We are told that we will spend an eternity in hell for our sin. And yet Jesus Christ took my sin, all of your sin if you're a Christian this morning, all the sin of everyone who has ever called on him from the time of Adam beyond our time until the time of the very last person on this earth who bows the knee and asks him to forgive them. Jesus has taken all that sin and he has drunk the full cup of God's fury and of God's wrath and he did it all on the cross in three short hours. And then he rose again because death couldn't hold him. Only God can do that. A man could not. Only God can do it. Mark writes so that we can make a response. Okay, he's not writing a storybook for us to read and to enjoy. He's not writing a storybook to have us crying at the end because Jesus has died. He is writing so that you can make and so that I can make a response. He is writing a very brief history of Jesus' life. It is the shortest of the Gospels. You, you read through Mark and you cannot help but notice how Jesus is rushing from one place to the other about God's business. It, it is as soon as, straight away, immediately, and you have those words all the time in Mark's Gospel. Jesus is always busy. He is always rushing about doing God's business. This Gospel has been described as a tract for the early church. It is a brief outline of Jesus' ministry, a brief outline that was meant to be read to a congregation. And it doesn't take very long to read. Okay, very short. When I was, when I was younger, when I, when I was about 15 or 16, I, I would have been coming up to my 16th birthday. I'm old enough to have done O-levels, okay? So I, I did O-levels and I did REO level. Uh, and the Christmas before the O-Levels, there, there was a program on television. It, it was a stage show. Um, a man by the name of Alec McGowan. And Alec McGowan was on stage, and, and he, had, he had a little table, jug of water, a glass, and a chair. And that was it. And he recited Mark's Gospel from beginning to end. Okay? Just under two hours it took him. Now, two hours isn't long to sit and to listen to God's word. We find two hours long because we are used to television uh, and we are used to visual stimulation, okay? Back in the day when this was written, they would have happily stood and waited and listened for two hours to something because there, there wouldn't have been the visual stimulation that we have today. They would have, viewed it, they would have used their years an awful lot more. Two hours would be nothing. This can be read in two hours very easily. The man performed it when I saw him on telly. Okay, he performed. You don't need to perform. You just need to read. If you are reading it by yourself, it takes considerably less than two hours to read it. We read Mark 1 verses 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. 
repent and believe in the gospel. This is what Mark wants from you. This is what he wants from me. He wants us to repent and he wants us to believe in the gospel. He wants us to realize that we have broken God's law. He wants us to realize that that is serious, that it is a serious offense to break God's law. He wants us to realize that this involves the death of a sinner. And he wants us to realize that we are the sinners who have broken God's law. He wants us to realize that we need forgiveness. And he wants us to realize that there is forgiveness available. This is why it is such good news. There is forgiveness available. All we need to do is to go to Jesus and to ask him to forgive our sin. Why does Mark want a response from us? Because it's no skin off his nose, is it? He died 2,000 years ago. He doesn't know us. He has no idea who's going to read this book after he's gone. None at all. Mark wants a response from us because Jesus wanted a response from us. This is the only reason. Mark wants a response because Jesus himself wanted a response. Jesus came. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand today. You don't have to cross the sea to find it. You don't have to climb a great mountain to find it. You don't have to do anything adventurous to find it. All you need to do is to pray a simple prayer of repentance. A simple prayer saying to Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Please help me to live for you. Amen.